Welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. And CP, you can probably tell from my background and for all of our listeners that aren't watching, I am in a hotel room again. Oh, dude, I thought this was your new place. No, it is not. Although it probably looks nicer at face value. (laughs) Yes, I am actually in a hotel for work again, and we are recording at night because, well, we have to take advantage of the time that we have available. I'm excited for the episode we have today because there's one very important topic that I want to get to, which you'll understand once we get there. CP, you look like you're in your normal podcast station. How are you doing tonight? And are you excited about the show? First of all, I'm always excited about this show. So don't ask. I mean, what's new? (laughs) Nothing. I wake up and want to make Filmmaker's Compass every day of my life. I mean, it makes sense as you and I often talk about movies without podcasting. I feel like that is 100% true. And I'm glad to hear it. Obviously, we're going to talk movies on the episode today. But before we jump into those topics, of course, we got to get to our shout outs. First up on our shout outs this week goes to uh, at Boone, who actually jumped in and said, CP and D-Man, it's hilarious to hear you guys talk about Paddington because they're better than they have any business being, which I think we kind of addressed in Boone. I haven't seen the movies, but as we mentioned before, I have to agree with you on this comment. I have heard that Paddington 2 stacks up against some of the better movies of all time. I'm not saying like, hey, let's put Paddington 2 and Godfather 2 or The Empire Strikes Back against each other. But I am saying, though, that like, you probably could. (laughs) (laughs) After Boone posted his comment, I actually went and watched Paddington 2 again, and it's freaking amazing. So just go watch the Paddington movies if you haven't. That's really what this podcast is about. Yeah, so thank you, Boone. We appreciate that. He also did comment, also, D-Man, you need to go back and watch Avatar The Way of Water in 3D, which I do believe you guys are both correct. I I do think me seeing it in 2D was just simply to take advantage of the free movie passes I had, but that that movie is probably an experience worthy of 3D. It's worthy of that ticket price. I shouldn't miss it because once it's out of theaters, I am screwed. Yep, go see it, man. (laughs) Next up on our shout outs, I want to give a big shout out, a big congrats to uh, my previous roommates. You mentioned my new place, but my previous roommates and good friends, Andres and Nancy, who got married last week. I got to attend the wedding. It was a beautiful ceremony and I'm so happy for you guys. So congratulations. Congrats, Andres. I also wanted to give a shout out to a casual listener. He doesn't tune in every week, so I don't know if he'll actually hear this, but I will shoot him a message and tell him that I sent him the shout out. But that goes out to Brandon, who I just want to say, I hope you're having a good recovery, man. I know he's been going through some uh, troubling medical things. Hopefully you're on the mend and on your way back to 100%. Brandon, I just want to say, I hope you are having an even better recovery than Dustin. (laughs) I love comments like that because, I mean, you really one up me. (laughs) I feel like such a piece of shit. You should. (laughs) I mean, I wished him a better recovery than you. So good luck, Brandon. I hope you're doing well. CP, I don't know if you have any shout outs on this episode. I did want to throw it over to you. See if there was anybody you want to throw out to but i want to not shout out somebody can i do that on this show of course if you follow our stories at all you saw that like two weeks ago i actually donated blood same day i donated blood i ended up going home that night and catching the flu now it was just a bad combination but when you donate blood they give you a fact sheet where you're supposed to call up and say, if you have any flu-like symptoms, potentially any side effects from (laughs) from blood loss, you call up and then they tell you what to do. I waited two days and I was like, you know, I should probably call that emergency number at the American Red Cross. So I called the Red Cross. Their brilliant medical advice was, they suggested that I wait 10 days before I donate blood again, which based on their own policies, I had to wait another 60 days to donate blood. So I don't know why the hell they gave me a piece of paper because it sure didn't help me very much. So no shout outs to the Red Cross. Thank you for not aiding in my recovery. There we well, go. Well, they did aid in you donating blood. So, I mean, that's got to be worth something. I thought they were going to be like, oh, like, you know, go chug a Powerade, anything. I'm like, any advice is better than the advice that actually contradicts their own advice. So I was pretty mad, which is probably why I'm bitching about it two weeks later. There you go. Well, for our listeners then, It is worth mentioning, if you happen to hear CP coughing, that is probably the result of his failure to give blood properly. (laughs) That's that's really what it is. I wanted to, uh, real quick... 
before we jump into our topics, I did want to include a note. So I wanted to let our listeners know that we do have a list of all the requests that you guys send us, often for lists, potential lists for the show. I know we've gotten some from Ivor and Jazzy. And, and we have a few, yeah, we have a few lists we do have in the works. There were a couple that I think we're definitely going to try to dive into, maybe line them up with cool events coming up. So those are in the works. We do appreciate when you guys send those to us, and we'll be sure to uh, mention when they're coming up. So first up, CP, I'm going to throw this over to you because this is what happened. You, this happens a lot. We send each other links and different things back and forth, not necessarily even for the podcast, but just because we're either super excited or super infuriated about whatever it is that we saw or read. Now, this seems like an article that you sent me that you probably became infuriated. Now, I'm guessing here because, (laughs) you know, you never get mad. I would be shocked if you were infuriated, but I also would be shocked if you agreed with this. Let's hear it. What what do we got here? So this article is from comicbookreview.com, the website. It's written by some moronic gen alpha person who probably doesn't even know what movies are because they spent their whole life watching stuff on TikTok. And it's called 10 Sci-Fi Movies That Aged Poorly. Okay. Obviously, we'll tweet it out so you can join in my outrage. Really, I I just (laughs) wanted to talk through this with D-Man and our listening audience. See if you have the same sentiments as this author does. Like, if you've listened to any episodes of this show, you probably have some idea that D-Man and I really love sci-fi movies. Some of our favorite movies are from the genre, especially from really the heyday of the 80s and 90s of science fiction, where we got some of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. This was a bullet to the heart for me. (laughs) Kick it off. I mean, so it's 10, it's 10 movies that age poorly. So what was number 10? So number 10, the original Total Recall from 1990. In in honor of Total Recall, should we do a total rewind and take a look at this movie? Because yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, we totally should. Marie is kind of lapsing here, but the feeling I get in my gut is that I actually really enjoyed this movie. Part of me reading what they wrote, you know, they reference bad audio, hard to look at effects and plot holes. I can't help but think maybe they're onto something with this number 10. If I rewatch this, I'm wondering if I'm going to enjoy as fondly as I remember it. The original Total Recall is something kind of in the vein of the original Judge Dredd. Yes. There's things it does well based off a Philip K. Dick novel, but there is the part at the end of the movie where Arnold goes to Mars and gets shot out into space and like his eyes bulge out and his head swells up and it does look really bad. I will actually give the author think that this is a fair assessment. And I can only say that because when they remade the Total Rewind movie with Colin Total Farrell, Recall. Total Recall movie. <laughs> With Colin Farrell and Jessica Biel and Brian Cranston, it was actually a good attempt at a remake, I think. So should we do a Total Rewind and a movie remake time for Total Rewind? I'm not going to object to it. I guess we'll see what the audience says. If they're like, we don't need that much Arnold in our life, then maybe we won't. I think we both agree that number 10, maybe the author kicked off this list with a movie that we're like, hey, it hasn't aged like fine wine. But let's go to number nine because this movie is amazing. All right, I'm just gonna throw it to you. The movie's from 1987. You probably can get what I'm getting at before I even say it out of my mouth. RoboCop. Probably one of the greatest science fiction movies of all time. And the thing that kills me about this author's analysis of RoboCop they say it's meant to be a satirical film, but the I film just doesn't seem like a satire, but it's totally a satire. If you know anything about history, if you know anything about 80s culture, if you know anything about the Cold War, this movie is completely a satire. It still holds up as a satire and it is hilarious because of it. just because you're too dumb to understand the comedy doesn't mean the movie's not funny. Yeah, I have to Hot agree take. with you here. I mean, I know that the effects, their their 80s effects, they do not necessarily hold up to what the standard would be today. Fine. I don't think the effects here hinder this movie at all. I think it's no, amazing. When, when the gas station blows up, when that guy melts in the vat of toxic waste, I mean, still looks great to this day. Well, what's the robot though? Not Robocop. The, the, yeah, the clay, that, claymation one. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It, it reminds me a little bit of like the end of Terminator 1 where they do some claymation shots of the T-800. Maybe it didn't age so well, but the movie is just fantastic. Having watched Robocop recently, I totally forgot how much they freaking curse. <laughs> 
and how much gore and just it's like oh. awesome it's awesome still that scene where murphy gets executed is like probably one of the goriest scenes in cinema history yeah doesn't his hand like literally get blown off it's like yeah. wild it was pretty cool I, I i don't think that movie aged poorly i just think it has aged effects if anything i think robocop is better than ever so number eight this is kind of an interesting choice this is planet of the apes from 1968 the original movie that started it all have you seen this movies recently at all uh not recently but when i was a kid for whatever reason they always used to have a marathon of planet of the apes on new year's eve i don't know why that is so i would always watch it as a kid the movies fascinated me as, as a kid but i can definitely see where like there's a certain sense of first of all the pacing is really slow in these movies and i don't even think that's deniable it has an iconic ending which probably saves the film but generally speaking a lot of the effects the perfect example i would use is the author here is making the case that like the apes don't look like apes but i am of the belief that in science fiction that does not need to be true exhibit a chewbacca sure mm -hmm. he's a wookie but i mean ultimately he's just like a dude in a big furry suit right and he's one of the most like beloved star wars characters if not you know an iconic character in general i don't think the costumes doom the movie here i honestly think it has more to do with pacing i just think the movie's slow first of all uh, at the time it was made, obviously the film was good enough to win an Academy Award for the ape costume work. They did something right at the time. I think you're right. And how are we supposed to judge a movie from the 60s on the visual effects at the time, which were truly groundbreaking? Part of the problem is, and the author does mention this, that the story gets a little lost. The movie, and I actually don't want to spoil it if you've never seen it. I do think that the original ending. ending is very powerful. It hinges on one moment in cinema that makes the whole movie click for audiences at the time that this movie movie was made and released, it was probably horrifying. Is some of that lost generations down? Yeah. And I'm also going to say the recent Planet of the Apes franchise that started with the James Franco movie are actually really good movies and they went with CGI apes. You couldn't do CGI at the time. Yeah, I honestly, I think the actual issues lie in the story structure, which the author does mention, like you said, that it can get a little muddled in the middle, but it does make up for it at the end. No, I'm not going to add Planet of the Apes as a sci-fi movie that I would say like you have to see today. I don't think so, especially with the remakes. You know, I, honestly, uh, this is how I would put it. Planet of the Apes is a movie series that I think maybe should be updated. I think if you just take a look at the original, like you said, it was a movie made for its time. I think what really works there was great for the audience in that moment, but it's a movie worthy of updating. The pacing is slow. Like we said, the effects, I think they've aged fine. I don't have a problem with the effects, but we know effects have got better in general. Why not try to update something like that? I can see where that is totally a movie worthy of remaking. Number seven is from 2004, and it's the movie iRobot. Have you watched this recently? Probably since COVID, but I think right before that. So probably in the last like maybe three, three to four years. The author's complaint really seems to be more with the fact that she doesn't seem to like Will Smith. Is this after the Oscars slap? It's weird because she defines it as just another Will Smith movie. I don't know how that affects the quality of the sci-fi film, right? Well, it's another Philip K. Dick short story adaptation, which he did get a few. We, there was Blade Runner, iRobot, Minority Report. There were a few of them. His short stories, obviously, they weren't adapted word for word or anything. What cool adaptations in general? Blade I Runner? I think you're I wrong, though. I think iRobot's Isaac Asimov. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, because Isaac Asimov's the one that has the three rules for yeah. all robots. Yeah, yeah. My apologies. Isaac Asimov, which is also awesome. This is a movie the last time I saw it, I didn't think the effects were really hindering this movie in my opinion. Certainly not the way that I thought the effects were hindering something like The Mummy. Even though that was only a few years before this was 2004, I did think the effects in The Mummy did not look great. Yeah, they didn't age well. Movie was fun, whatever, but I was like, hey, these look like early 2000s effects. Here I was like, these actually look pretty good. I didn't really have any issue with the effects. I thought the story was pretty well told. The author does make note that they don't dive maybe deeply enough into what it is that Isaac Asimov is getting at with his story. But I do think they did hit all the major notes. thought it worked. I would disagree with this. I thought it worked pretty well. I would too. So number six on the list is considered really one of the not just greatest sci-fi movies of all time, but most successful movies of all time. And that is Steven Spielberg's 1982 
ET. I 100% disagree with this. This is absolutely asinine. The author's title for this was ET was visually hard to watch. What a joke is ridiculous. ET has aged phenomenally. He still looks as great as an extraterrestrial as ever. I have no clue exactly what the author is going for here. My very favorite is the very last line where the author says, the film is no longer praised as it has aged so poorly over the years. What the hell? Who does not like, I mean, who that was honestly a fan of E.T.? I mean, I know E.T. has its detractors, maybe you included. You, you cannot deny the fact that the film is is incredibly well made. No, like, I have no idea what the author's talking about here. I disagree with all of this. I think the story still holds up. I think the effects are still great and iconic. I think E.T. looks phenomenal. I really don't know what they're looking at. I don't I don't see that at all. Yeah, it's so stupid. So number five, a movie from 1999, and it's called The Matrix. <laughs> uh, only one of the best hero's journey, sci-fi, tech-noir stories ever. This movie, I actually watched this last year and it holds up phenomenally well. I have no idea what this author's getting at. Now, if all they're saying is that the effects are showing their age, meaning that, hey, some of the bullet waves look like they're from After Effects or something, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. But to what detrimental effect does it have on this movie? Zero. The movie okay. looks phenomenal. It is amazing. I, don't, I just I don't... don't understand what this author is talking about. They said The Matrix was a one-of-a-kind film release that had been considered groundbreaking, but time has shown that The Matrix simply does not hold up the same way it did in the 90s. That is ridiculous. After watching the new Matrix, which we've talked about, and being so disappointed, going back and watching the original Matrix, it is still great in every single way. The author says, for one, the soundtrack has aged poorly. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I, I disagree. Wow. The Matrix sets itself in 1999. You need a 1999 like, soundtrack. Like, <laughs> yeah, turn of the century. I mean, it's literally places itself there. It's not even trying to be timeless or ageless. It is a movie of its time. They say the costumes in the film show the age. I just disagree on every level. I, this movie's phenomenal. It holds up insanely well. Say what you will about the sequels i really don't think any of the three sequels hold a candle to the original but i'm not of the mind have you ever heard uh like quentin tarantino's criticism of the matrix sequels he is of the mind that they ruined his perception of the original and he can't think of it the same i just disagree i that's like i don't saying, find that to be true that's like saying that because the sequel trilogy of star wars was so bad you can't enjoy the original trilogy anymore yeah like exactly i just i don't think that type of criticism holds up for me generally I can still enjoy an original work for what it was. And The Matrix was amazing. So, all right. Next up, CP, throw it at us. 1982. You may have heard of this. You may not. It wasn't like, it's more obscure. It's called Blade Runner. Dude. Oh my God. This might be the most ridiculous criticism on the list. I got to read you a couple of lines here. The author says, not only that, but the pacing of the film was slow, which only made the movie age poorly even more, which I disagree with. I think that was, people were critical of the pacing in its time. I think people said it was slow, but I think they've come to appreciate that. The author author's next sentence. The movie was rather popular for its release and was a bit of ahead of its time with X. First of all, Blade Runner has excellent effects, but they are effects of its time, 1982. Mm -hmm. Now, the author says the pacing was slow, which only made the movie age poorly. I disagree. I think people have really come to appreciate that pacing. I think they realize now that this is a sci-fi tech noir that is essentially a film noir. Mm -hmm. It is set in that setting. But they say the movie was rather popular for its release, which I also disagree with. Blade Runner did not do well on the box office. It was not actually received by a lot of the fans very well. I think they thought Harrison Ford in a sci-fi movie, Han Solo in another yeah. sci-fi movie, it did not hit the beats that I think people thought of the time. It has aged remarkably well, especially with the different director's cuts. And I think this movie has only aged better and even warranted a sequel that many years later. I just disagree with this. I don't understand this at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really mind-blowing because I think pretty much everyone now has come to the realization that Blade Runner is is a remarkable film. Can we round this out with the final sentences the author writes? Do it. Some fans may still enjoy the music, but a second look at Blade Runner's soundtrack shows that it comes off more as background noise and less of a soundtrack. Wow. Ridiculous. 
I think people literally, I mean, even the new Blade Runner, people like listen to that soundtrack. I mean, obviously, no, it's not Star Wars. It doesn't have iconic orchestral themes, but it is absolutely not going for that at all. Oh, I think well, the music fits the movie perfectly. <clears throat> I don't get that. Well, and and the fashion and technology in this film only further show the uh, the poor aging of the film. Ridiculous. The, the, the visual style of Blade Runner has been something that has been replicated in so it's, many it's other forms of media. Yeah, it's shown up in various mm. anime over the years. If you go up a freaking number on this list, I would say Blade Runner influenced the Matrix. I don't understand this at all. Well, that's my thing. I'm like, have you ever like watched movies? Because I can't even, you're getting me heated now. <laughs> we should get like Dennis Villanueva on the show to just defend Blade Runner because I, just, I don't it's so asinine. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so oh, here's another one. This, uh, you, go ahead. This is crazy too. The number three is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen from 2009. And the reason why it does not hold up is because it had a confusing storyline. The reason <laughs> why Transformers Revenge of the, of the Fallen did not age poorly is because it was always shitty. <laughs> That's why. That was never a good movie. How did that even make the list? That's ridiculous. I think that that was a movie at the time that people walked out of and they're like, yeah, this this was not even in the same league as like the first Transformer. That I mean, that's the problem. They're trying to defend like this movie was ever great. Yes, Transformers, the Michael Bay version had its day, but I mean, this was no peak. It no, no, no. literally this is the was the point of the ridiculous. franchise. Like, this is ridiculous. This was never a good movie and it didn't age poorly. It's exactly as terrible as it was in 2009. Two is an interesting one and that is from 1982, Tron. So what are your thoughts on this? Let's start there. First of all, I think Tron is absolutely a movie that deserves to be remade. I think due to the effects of the time, they tried their best to tell the story as it was at that time. But this is a movie like Planet of the Apes that is ripe, that is worthy for a remake, right? I just, I see that. Yes, did this movie age poorly? I think this is a fair assessment. Obviously, the story had some elements that held up over time, but obviously, yeah, when you look at the effects, it does look very arcade-like. It does look 1980s. I just think it's a movie that's worthy of a remake. That's my opinion. I was never really super into the franchise. My biggest criticisms of this is the author writes... The reason why Tron does not hold up was it was too arcade-like. Isn't that essentially the story of the original Tron is going into the arcade game? So do, do you know what the movie's about? I, I don't think that's yeah. a valid criticism. I have to agree. That literally is like what happens is they go in, they essentially go into a video or a video game world. Obviously the effects, if you saw, I mean, obviously instead of a remake, we got a sequel, mm -hmm. Tron Legacy. Yeah. And if you saw that, that and actually was visually was, incredible. Yeah, visually stunning. I thought it had a great score. I thought they tried to bring back certain elements of the original with the story, but I don't think it was quite strong enough. They really needed to dive a little bit deeper into the relationship between father and son, but I, we're not doing a breakdown of Tron Legacy. They had the elements there to make that a truly great movie. Visually, I think that's why I would say this movie could definitely be remade, but I have to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it, sure, were the effects arcade-like? Yes, but they like went into a video game. So, all right. And so we're at number one. I will introduce the title and then I want you to take over because I think you might actually agree with the author in a couple ways here. So this is Ghostbusters from 1984. D-Man, how is this movie not... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely asinine. I can't think of anything I would change about this movie. I have no idea what the author is going for here. They said it was full of inappropriate remarks. So jokes, comedy. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, the only joke in Ghostbusters that I would say is definitely a little out of place is when like Dan Aykroyd has that dream about like mm. sexual relations with a ghost. Even that's funny. I mean, now it's kind of like a joke within like Ghostbusters lore. I just don't, with numerous inappropriate lines by Peter Venkman and old effects, first of all, I think Ghostbusters looks phenomenal. It's no surprise that Ghostbusters has aged poorly. I, <laughs> I disagree with this on every level. They're insinuating that I think Peter Venkman or Bill Murray is saying a lot of inappropriate things. Is he somewhat sexist? Is he trying to get laid as a scientist? Sure. I mean, inappropriate to the extent Tent that he's a sleazebag. Yeah. yeah, but that's his character. It didn't age poorly. That's they wrote him that way on purpose. That's who he is. I don't understand what that like. I love when he goes in the he goes into her apartment and he's like Ch -ch -ch -ch, like going around and he like opens the door and she's like, That's just the bedroom. Nothing ever happened in there. And he turns around and he's like, What a crime. <laughs> <laughs> 
if we are going to judge the validity of every movie now on the basis of the the dialogue, the characters, the humor at the time that it was created, then we just need to every five years delete all art that's ordered in five years because time change, people change, cultures change. If we're judging Ghostbusters on the merits of it as a film, this is a stupid argument. Especially no, as a I, sci-fi I, film that has spawned a, a successful franchise. And effects, I mean, at best, at best, I mean, maybe Ghostbusters has a few effect shots, kind of like Terminator 1, where it's like maybe one effect shot like stands out. But I think there's a couple, again, it's kind of that stop motion with like the dogs mm-hmm. that maybe I could see where somebody would be like, those effects don't hold up as well. But I would say 95% of the effect shots, all, the proton packs... Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, the fact that they like blew up a building in Manhattan. I, I think it looks amazing. Well, I mean, so much to the point that when Jason Reitman made the new Ghostbusters Afterlife, he made visual effects that looked almost identical to the original. So they can't be that bad. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. This this list, I got to I gotta oh. give this two thumbs down. I- we will tweet this out and you guys can join me and and trolling some people on Twitter because I I just don't get this. And look, and maybe I'm just old and crotchety and biased. So if you, audience, do agree with this list, I mean, tell me where I'm wrong. I just, I don't, I think I could find, you know, 10 more sci-fi movies that age much more poorly than these. I mean, I would give the author, like I said, Total Recall, Planet of the Apes, and Tron in the sense that I think they could and have been remade. That's a good point. Yeah, I think they're all worthy of updates. Planet of the Apes, particularly, I think was more of a movie of its time rather than I'm sure people that saw it then appreciate it the same way. You know, like a movie that stands out to me that had an effect on our culture, but probably wouldn't today is something like Jaws. Jaws of its time literally frightened people from going into the water at the beach. It like affected beach numbers. Also inspired a lot of people to (laughs) create Shark Week. If Jaws was released today, (laughs) would it have that same effect on our culture? I don't think so. I think it was a movie of its time. I think Jaws holds up remarkably well. I don't have any problems with Jaws, but I do think the effect that it had was of its time. You know, some of these movies, that may be true. Fine. But what's wrong with that? Movies, like you said, then we got to like delete movies and not appreciate what they were in their time. I think that's the beauty is like, I also disagree that Transformers age well. I think that movie was shitty. (laughs) They're implying that people liked it the first time around. Yeah. I am glad though that Ghostbusters is no number one because damn that movie's just so good <laughs> if anything this this made me want to watch all these movies like that's what i was thinking i'm like i could literally put on almost every movie on this list tonight and be totally psyched but like i mean it's almost like this author right like coming after something like the original star wars being like hey star wars has aged poorly you're like yeah i mean they were using models and revolutionary motion capture systems for 1975 76 did george George Lucas do special editions and update those movies. Sure, they do look better on Disney Plus than the version that released in 77. There is still a large contingent of Star Wars fans who love the original cut, which I believe I also do really enjoy the special editions. I know they get some hate just because they're simply not what was originally released, but I think they look great. They're phenomenal. I like how they they cleaned it up. I think it looks a little bit sharper, brighter, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fantastic. But here's the deal. I bring this up because I'm super upset. We talked a few weeks ago about upcoming movies in 2023. All right. CP, there are no theatrical releases of any Star Wars movies, new or old, planned for 2023. That means no Star Wars movies in the theaters for another year. How how so sad. sad is it that Disney is not putting out a Star Wars movie, but they are putting out an Avatar movie? I just can't believe Disney has put Star Wars on the back burner here. And here's the thing. Star Wars is essentially the like crown jewel of like movie franchises. You have like Star Wars, Marvel's hot right now. You have what else? Harry Potter, James Mm -hmm. Bond, these like mega franchises that have spanned kind of decades. Now you have other franchises, right? That are huge and have had varying success. Star Trek being one of them and things like that. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not other ones than the ones I named, but Star Wars is like the ultimate, like fans love Star Wars. I love 
Star Wars. It's it's special in a unique way that almost nothing else quite is. And the fact that Disney can't figure out how to put a movie out around this franchise is mind-blowing. If they're not putting a movie out, they're simply admitting that they don't know how to make a Star Wars movie. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What is Disney doing with Star Wars then? So right now they're releasing Disney Plus series. So there's The Mandalorian, Andor, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. There's going to be like Ahsoka. There's Bad Batch, different things, but all Disney Plus shows and uh, fairly well received, I would say. You know, we're not going to dive into each of those shows, but I'd say generally, I think fans were open to each of them being made. They enjoyed certain ones for different reasons. Some of them not so much as others, but whatever. So CPU, take, we have to time machine here we have to go back a little bit it's going to make you angry because this is when disney bought star wars and actually it might not make you angry because essentially i'm going to say that you were right oh i do love hearing that d man i really do enjoy hearing that i was right in order to figure out why there's no star wars movie in 2023 i think we got to take a look backwards at what happened when disney bought star wars their plan was to create a new sequel trilogy part of the overall skywalker saga complete that which again i think that is absolutely asinine to begin with i think that saga is george Lucas's, and I don't think you do anything else with it. I think if you're going to make new content, make new content. How could Disney have the balls to put movies onto George Lucas's saga? That's crazy. I, mean, I guess it's just hubris. I don't know. I think the other problem, though, is spending what What do they spend for Star Wars? Four billion? Four point seems like a billion. steal now. Yeah, right. When you're like, okay, you spent that kind of money. Why would you not take advantage of the true value in the IP, which is truly the Star Wars universe? Not yeah. just. It used the to be Skywalker called storyline. I, I don't be know why the expanded they... universe, and now I believe Disney refers to it as Legends, but it's not part of the current official continuity. Canon. Yeah, the official canon of Star Wars. So they wanted to make their own. Fine. So their plan was to create a sequel trilogy to the Skywalker saga, and then create kind of solo films littered throughout about specific moments in Star Wars lore. So you think Rogue One is about getting the Death Star plans. You think Solo is about how did Han solo get the millennium Falcon. it's just like we're gonna answer some random question the problem is first of all the sequel trilogy was poorly planned out so forget new movies for a moment and if you just look at the the sequel trilogy it was obviously not coherently planned out a trilogy it just they wrote one movie then they got somebody and he wrote another one and then somebody else wrote another one yep so that much. won't work now, the worst way to ever build a trilogy, by the way. Well, and then you have the Solo stories, which Rogue One was incredibly well received and Solo not so much. The point is more with those Solo movies, they didn't really connect to anything. It's it's kind of like, I think of it a little bit as kind of like the expanded universe of Star Wars. These are ancillary stories made for the hardcore fans that always wondered, how did they get the Death Star plans? But mm -hmm. for like a casual fan that likes the main storyline, you may not care about those stories. And rightfully so, because really, who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. A fan, a fan cares. That's who, a diehard fan. So, you know, when you make Rogue One and you make Solo a Star Wars story, you are, that movie really only has mainstream appeal to people who are already diehard Star Wars fans. The very nature of what they're proposing with those implies that. So when Solo doesn't do so well and they're like, what happened? It was a Star Wars movie. You're like, well, it was like part of the character got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't the main story and it got treated as such. And that makes a lot of sense. When I look at Disney and I'm thinking, what can they make as a movie going forward? Obviously, I think Star Wars lends itself to a giant shared universe. I think that was part of the fandom before Disney bought it with the expanded universe. I don't know, man. I'm curious what they what they plan to do because I don't think solo films will truly work. You know, Star Wars is known for trilogies, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be. That could have been just the Skywalker saga and then you leave trilogies behind. You know, you could follow the Marvel formula with Star Wars and create a giant shared universe, but they would have to come up with some sort of story that has a lot of narrative propulsion. Marvel being a perfect example, which is, you know, you kind of start out with these character stories and you end up with 
the team-up film of the Avengers, but really the narrative propulsion of the Infinity Saga is Thanos collecting the Infinity Stones. And it all builds to that. So you would need some sort of story that has that type of narrative propulsion. Right now, I just, I don't know if Disney's up to the task or they know what that is. Well, it seems like Disney is so determined to not misstep that they just seem like they're playing everything very, very safe. True. Really what they have done, and probably part of this is because Dave is so central to calling the shots now, it looks like they're almost turning to a Clone Wars as sort of the central guiding piece of Star Wars going forward. And now it's like, what are stories that are an offshoot either in an animated or in television of this sort of Star Wars universe that someone got right once? And I feel like that has been the leadership at Disney right now. Looking over, they look back to what Lucasfilm did right when they made the Clone Wars show and they're like, do that again. Everybody didn't hate that one. We'll make a Bad Batch show. We'll make a Rebel show, which is kind of a continuation of the same storyline. We'll do a live yeah. action Ahsoka. We'll do live action Obi-Wan because we're playing it safe within these realms that we didn't screw up. I think actually because of that, they're really just dooming themselves to, to fail. And I think something that was always so well done when Lucasfilm was working with all these other sci-fi creators and game designers was the mentality was kind of like, hey, as Lucasfilm, what we do is we call the shots. We are going to be the god of the Star Wars universe and determine what is in and what is out of this sandbox. Disney, when they bought it, seemed so determined to just say everything's a go. That blew up in their face. So then they said, okay, we're going to play it really restrictive. And I think that what works so well with the extended universe of Star Wars was people would say, hey, you know, what's it like being a bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe? What's it like being the captain of a capital ship? And suddenly we got all these obscure storylines experiencing life in the Star Wars universe. And I think that's what fans loved. At the end of the day, we like Star Wars because it's a cool place to live. And we would all want to be there with lightsabers and force powers and starships and aliens. It's not about any one character. It's about those factors. And I think if Disney just focused on what are the things that people love about the Star Wars universe, which is the Star Wars universe, there's nothing like it. You know, they could get it right. Side note on that, and Disney actually did a pretty good job here. I actually went to Disneyland last weekend and I went to Black Spire Outpost. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, you get to see the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> in the rides are great rise of the resistance if you haven't gone on that ride which we talked about this a few, probably like two or three months ago now ride it it is amazing absolutely stunning ride disney at the park seemed to somewhat capture that spirit you're talking about that kind of lived in spirit right you can go to a cantina you get to fly the millennium falcon you go on a rebel mission you do these things at the park and they seem to capture the spirit you you feel that when you're there i even i think you saw the photo i think you actually posted it to our uh, social media, which is I got to meet Chewbacca, you know, <laughs> and it's funny because like, you know, I went up to him and I'm like, hey, Chewie, you got a little love for uh, a big kid at heart, you know, and so I gave him <laughs> a big hug and I felt a little bit like, you know, in those Disney World commercials where they show like a kid running up to like Mickey or their favorite Disney princess. I was like, yeah, that was me with Chewie. Yep, yep. The thing is like, it was great and I loved it. I was like, oh man, I got to take photos with Chewie and ultimately, right? Like we're at a theme park. Like that's actually just like some dude in a costume <laughs> i loved it i was like that was so cool I, I literally cp i waited in line for the magic with a bunch of kids i don't know i feel like disney just has to find those special elements that make star wars work and one of them and we we do got to get to this is mythology mm -hmm. i i think when they go back to their main narrative, if you follow any of George Lucas's interviews, any of the things he's talked about, about writing in Star Wars and what have you, he often talks about myth and heroes with a thousand faces and yeah. all these things. Yeah. And I'm not saying you got to carbon cut out the hero's journey from a new hope the way that something like, say, The Matrix did, right? The Matrix follows the hero's journey almost to a T, which is great. It works. It's a great story. You do got to have some underlying motifs, some underlying themes. And I don't know if Disney has been able to capture that. They've kind of been riding on the iconography and the elements that made Star Wars work in the first place. And no one's done this better than probably George Lucas himself. And he didn't even like succeed himself. Yeah. When he made the prequel trilogy, yes, there are elements from the original trilogy that show up in the prequel trilogy. But George Lucas is telling a different story. He's using different myths. He's talking about different things. He's not retelling the same freaking story. Yeah. 
And Star Wars needs a little bit of that. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I mean, does it need George Lucas? I don't know. Maybe. It needs a little, you know, a little myth making here. I don't know. I hope they're up to the task. But CP, while we're on this topic, Star Wars and what Disney can do, I am curious, like, you know, what would be your top five things from maybe the expanded universe that you would like to see in either live action or uh, adapted. So that could range from anything. You know, you go back to, I talked about earlier, like the character guide could be ships, tech, planets, people, stories. And we, I haven't read it all. So to our listeners, you know, Hey, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've read every expanded universe book or anything, but like, what, what would you like to see? Okay. Well, I mean, the first thing I'd like to see is the Grand Admiral Thrawn trilogy by uh, Timothy Zahn. It was amazing. We both but, read that. But, but we can't really count that because they actually have introduced Thrawn as a character in the Rebels series. I'm going to say they, they kind of pulled him into the mainstream universe. So we're yeah. going to well, throw that out. And to do it, you would essentially have to use like that de-aging technology and just have basically like 3D versions of Han, Luke, and Leia and everybody. If you were going to do that, it should have happened in the 90s. Instead of the books, they should have made those movies, oh, right? If you were going to do it. Yeah. But they didn't do it. And now, obviously, like Carrie Fisher isn't even with us anymore. RIP. That can't even really be done. Obviously, I agree with you. I think that would be a great adaptation, but I don't think that's going to happen. All right. I'll give you five then that do not include that. Number five for me is the character of Dash Rendar. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Shadows of the Empire. Shadows of the Empire, the book. He was also in the main character in Shadows of the Empire, the N64 video game. Amazing. I think that that is exactly the type of character who you could make a killer Disney Plus series about. Let's go follow this awesome smuggler that we totally love from the book. Isn't really aligned with anybody. He's out for himself and he is a badass and a great, everything you love about Han Solo and a different dude. And I think that's a lot of fun. I wouldn't even mind a Shadows of the Empire adaptation. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, right? Oh, such a good one. Number four for me, the planet of Narshada. Go into depth on this. Which which planet is that? So Narshada is a planet of gangsters. It's actually Ooh, from yes. the Han Solo trilogy of books about his origin and how he met Lando and how they got the Millennium yes, Falcon. Yes, I remember. That's also a great trilogy. And what's really cool about the planet is... It takes you to one of the few places that is not aligned with the Empire or the Rebellion or the Old Republic. It's just a planet run by a bunch of gangsters, inhabited by a bunch of gangsters and bounty hunters. And it's kind of like the really seedy parts of Vegas. And I think that that would be a really fun place to go in some movie. But yeah. I don't want to go to the seedy parts. No, of no, no. You know, and, and, and <laughs> that's the type of thing. Like, why? Do, why doesn't an episode of the Mandal uh, the Mandalorian take place there? That would be, be cool. so fun. Yeah. Number three, the character of Talon Carde. Uh, he's actually okay. from the the Zon Thrawn trilogy, and he is kind of a non-aligned. He calls himself an information broker, and sometimes he helps mm. out the Empire. Sometimes he helps out the New Republic. But again, it's one of these characters who is out for himself. He has tons of resources at hand. I just think that that's kind of a fun area to explore because so much of the Disney Star Wars has fallen into the kind of black and white. So I have a question. Yeah. Did you ever see The Last Jedi? No. They have a character like that in the movie and then they absolutely just shit all over it. Benicio Del Toro. Did you ever know he's in a Star Wars movie? No. And he actually plays the guy pretty cool. I, I not knocking his performance at all. I just think that they literally like bring him in for like two scenes for like a double cross and then he's out. I get what you're saying. That should be like a character. That should be like a main character. Yeah, we should follow this guy navigating all sides of the Star Wars universe, you know? Yeah, and they don't do that at all. He basically at the end, he's like, I just go where the money goes and you're like, all right, fine. So number two is the character of Admiral Dalla. She was actually a naval admiral at the time of the collapse of the empire and she's from a book dark saber by kevin j anderson i love she, the cover of that book it is oh, amazing yeah. and so she goes about trying to reassemble the remnants of the imperial fleet once they've lost the war what i really love about her is handily one of the major criticisms of star wars has always been the lack of female characters they're just starting yeah. a ton and not only is she an incredibly strong female character but she's an awesome villain you get more bang for your buck that way i guess so i would love to see disney look at her now number one and i'm pretty sure you know exactly what i'm gonna say kyle katana who was better than kyle 
Dark Forces, Jedi Knight. I mean, Jedi Knight 2 is still one of the best, right? Best vi- Star Wars video games of all time. I mean, Rogue Squadron, yeah, uh, Shadows of the Empire, and probably that. Kyle oh, Katana. And Star Wars Galaxies was amazing. Definitely. Kyle Katana was a Imperial stormtrooper who went rogue, helped the Rebel Alliance by he was the guy that stole the Death Star plans. Fans loved him so much, he went on to become a fourth sensitive Jedi. He ended up getting access to Sith powers and becoming a gray. And he's probably one of the coolest Star Wars characters ever made. I don't know why that wasn't the first thing when Disney bought Star Wars. They said, let's make a Kyle movie. Oh, dude. And his journey to becoming a Jedi in the video game is just awesome. It's phenomenal how he gets there. Like, it's great. Ah, That's a great list. I think for me, number five would have to be, I would love to see some actual kind of legends stories adaptations. Okay. Maybe a story about Darth Plagueis or Knights of the Old Republic, or as you mentioned, Jedi Knight 2. I would like to see some actual adaptations. Right now, I don't think Disney is interested in adapting any stories. You know, and and a perfect example of how I would do it is Captain America Civil War, Mm -hmm. right? Civil War takes place in the MCU as the MCU kind of demands that it take place. But it is not page for page lift out of Civil Civil War War in the comics. It's actually very different. Yeah. You know, I mean, ironic, like in the comics, like spoiler alert, like Captain America like dies. I just think there's an opportunity with legend stories to go ahead and actually adapt some of these storylines. And that brings with it, obviously, a built-in audience with the adaptation. It appeals to diehard fans. And if you do it right and you build those into the overall lore of, say, your own Star Wars MCU, then I think you would be able to make those work. They just haven't been interested in doing that. So I'd like to see them do do something like that. I would like to see them adapt some of the future technology that you find in, in the books and adaptations. I'm not going to go too much into depth about any one specific thing. They have more advanced lightsabers. They get in, you know, more to do with like kyber crystals and they, they have more advanced weaponry. I, I feel like Disney's version so far has been like future tech is just like a bigger Death Star. One cool thing I thought Disney did was Kylo Ren's lightsaber, how it has the two things that shoot out the side. Did it work perfectly? Probably not. But was it a cool looking image? Were they trying to do something? I like that. I mean, try yeah. try new things. Do something. And I think in Legends or the Expanded Universe, there's there's tons of, of future tech, advanced ships, different things that they could bring to the screen. So my only gripe, though, is, and this is with future tech and anything they're going to bring to the screen, is when you bring things in, you can't have it undo the story elements that came before. So the perfect example being, like, in Rise of Skywalker, Rey learns, like force healing right she damn it she learns it really fast where you're like that's ridiculous <laughs> like part of me is like if that was out there and available to the jedi like why would they not have known that why would the sith have not how yeah, could yeah. that not have been known even to that end like anakin essentially turning to the dark side was in pursuit of finding out how to save his wife from dying here's rise of skywalker just simply being like you can do this now and it's like oh that's really frustrating yeah. Because if you go back and this was available, that is really frustrating. And so when you introduce future tech, future powers, future things, I, I would hope that they would always keep that in mind and not do it in a way that really kind of like undoes some powerful story moments from before. Okay. Now, here's three characters that I'm going to list. And I, I don't think we'll actually get this adaptation. I just, I wouldn't mind some new characters having kids in these molds. I think that would be great. And that's Han and Leia's kids, Jason, Jaina, and Anakin. So you have the twins and then their younger son, Anakin. And Jason's story as he turns into a Sith is absolutely amazing. Now, granted, that was technically... Great storyline. Yeah, it was technically adapted as Kylo Ren, but nowhere near as good as what you find in the literary version. You know, with the Thrawn trilogy, we kind of mentioned, like, we can't really revisit Luke, Han, and Leia again. But I wouldn't mind some new parents and some new kids that follow those molds because they're it's epic dude Mm -hmm. 
number two on my list is Mara Jade. Oh, now, this was Mara always Jade. this was always a cool expanded universe character. Actually, became probably one of the most popular expanded universe characters. Mm-hmm. She is still intertwined with our main heroes, particularly Luke, as they end up getting together and and all of that. But I would like to see the character adapted, a uh, very similar to the way they did Grand Admiral Thrawn. They did not adapt him from the Thrawn trilogy, but I would like to see her make an appearance. I think that would be fantastic. Sure, maybe she doesn't fall in love with Luke. I I just think there's like, that would be really cool. I I always enjoyed her character. She was kind of a badass. She also kind of, you know, switch sides and different Mm -hmm. stuff. And I I think I would love to see a version of that come to the big screen. CP, here is the conclusion to this overall discussion. And this is what I would love to see. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I would love to see Disney adapt the Yuzon Vong storyline. Yes. Which, yes. for all of our listeners, if you don't know this storyline, essentially it is invading visitors from a different galaxy come to Star Wars galaxy, and they are absolutely insanely powerful. They don't believe in technology. They're totally organic. They believe in honor and, and pain and, like, all this crazy shit. Well, anyway, the storyline is epic. Now, again, this does take place with our main heroes, Luke Han, and, oh my god, they broke my heart with Chewie. I just gave him a <laughs> hug. The solo kids are there. It's amazing well anyway i would love to see i would love to see everything we just listed combined into you have this absolutely menacing force from outside the galaxy come to the star wars galaxy and take on a set of these heroes i would love to see some new parents have three kids jason jana and anakin you have the jedi you have the sith mara jade can make an appearance you got all this future tech they have to defend the galaxy i'm in yeah, dude, I'd be into. That would be amazing. No, and you're going to you're going to oh, break dude. you're going to break the mold. We're going to go in a totally new direction. It's going to be absolutely wild, and I think you could make Disney Plus shows about it. You could make video games about it. I think yeah, I would do that. That's what I would do. Dude, oh my gosh, how incredible would that be? Oh man, I I can't even like imagine you have you have the Jedi trying to beat this outside force, but the Jedi and the Sith still don't get along. You have double yep. crosses, you have you have it all. That I would I would pay a lot of money to see that. Yeah, Ships no. going to light speed, <clears throat> laser battle, unreal. I would pay a lot of money for that and I would I would hope that Disney will come to their senses and find a sco- a story with scope like that that can move the needle where we're like dude star wars is so epic insane that's my list cp and i hope it happens i love it so this was actually a really good discussion i actually love talking star wars oh gee that's a big surprise to everybody who's still listening right here i gotta give a big shout out to uh iver i would love to have iver come on the show for a segment like this or even to talk about maybe correcting like the dceu or i'm gonna drop his name james gunn uh, iver we gotta get you on the, like i feel like iver would love a discussion like this we gotta get him on the show dude you ruined everything great when you brought up james gunn sorry man well i was on like a total high here thinking about what disney could do and then i thought about the shit show going on over at wb so thank you for that by the way much i almost feel like i should like write something and just like send it to disney be like this is what you do don't remake a new hope you go bold you go big you make it epic it would be insane again they could adapt the legends universe in the same way that they adapted elements of marvel comic storylines tweak them make them work with new characters and but use it as a blueprint because they're good they can even set it after rise of skywalker and just essentially treat it as a reset again and so essentially all you do is you allow the sequel trilogy to give the time you need to tell the man Mandoverse story that's happening on Disney Plus with Ahsoka and all that. So mm-hmm. they now you have that time to allow those stories to flourish in their own timeline. Mm-hmm. And then you just reset after Rise of Skywalker. There's a new Republic and you have new characters. We're not going back to the old characters. I don't even care about them. Their stories are done. We need new people. We need new blood. I mean, we need like Jason Solo, Mar Jade, Grand Admiral Thrawn, Admiral Dalla. Like no, we need to right. see that come to life. Yeah. It has to. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It'd be so much so, fun. I would love it. I mean, I would probably fall in love with Star Wars all, all over again in a new way. 
It'd be so epic. All right. I got to come down off this high and finish this show. So I want to say to our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. I love talking Star Wars and I hope you guys enjoyed hearing me talk Star Wars. And CP, I think you love talking Star Wars as much as I do. Oh, dude, so, I, I love talking Star Wars. I'm not even going to pretend like I don't. It's like one of my favorite things. Just yeah, I feel right. like just want them to get it right. I could keep going for a while, but we're going to call it quits. So to all of our listeners, be sure to uh, continue the conversations. Let us know what you think. Is there something that we missed that you think Disney should be doing? with star wars is there something that you know we said that you think that's crazy don't don't bother what do you think they they should do keep the conversations going with the list from before i'd love to hear our listeners thoughts on whether some of those sci-fi movies aged poorly because that was crazy oh my gosh so bad leave us a five-star review on itunes and any of the podcast directories help us rank a little bit higher and then to continue the conversations you can find our social media links and all previous episodes at filmmakerscompass.com you could follow me directly at big kid d man you could follow me at ndcal5 thanks for tuning in this week and checking it out in the meantime keep watching movies and we'll catch you back here next week